the scenes. Team members are working here. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so what, what's new for you guys? We talked several months ago. Uh, I was super excited to have you on. I'm even more excited now. You're now episode 103. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, what, what's new? Yeah, a couple of things, Jackson. Uh, we uh, just executed a first part of a training with a ski and snowboard group. So we're working with a resort up in the Northeast. So that was a lot of fun. You know, it's a different audience than what we're used to because we've Spent a lot of time working with military LE and fire rescue, but mostly military. Um, we do have a big military training camp coming up with the Air Force with their training wing. So I'm All right. excited Welcome about in that. to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey there, welcome in to Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business, and I'm really excited to have Stephen Robinson on. Now, um, we do this intro the same way almost every time, but this time I accidentally clicked the button to interrupt Stephen. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. And I just want to highlight that because everybody in life makes mistakes. Um, you know, and it's so important to be forgiving of yourself and centered when things like that happen. I know a lot of entrepreneurs and pe high performers who cave under the types of pressure like that. And they, they don't know what to do next. And we're actually going to be talking to Stephen about high performance for leaders, athletes and resilience. And some of the times when that is hardest is when the pressure's on the most, when you're in the limelight, when it's time to show up and do things right. How do you recover and how do you move forward? So while I've got some abilities to do that, he's king of helping people unlock that within themselves. So I'm excited to dive into that. But before we bring Stephen on stage and we talk uh, about his bio as well, I also want to highlight the sponsors that we have here. Um, it is thanks to Cold Click, for instance, that we connected with Stephen Robinson. Um, we have a LinkedIn automation set up through a couple of programs. We use Ulink. Um, we use Octopus. You're welcome to look these brands up and use them yourself, of course. Um, and then Art Hoffman of ColdClick helps us make sure that we're abiding by the algorithms of LinkedIn itself. He's also somebody I mastermind with. He's very good at sales um, and he's very good at messages of attraction. And I'm very good at messages of nurturing. It's very important for me to take my hat off sometimes or look at other perspectives and say, you know what? What are other people doing and, and how can this work to our benefit? And so we have a great harmony and dynamic for how we go about that. What it does is it connects me to hundreds of people so that the right people who are in the right position to create new relationships can move forward more naturally. And then I'm not I'm not stuck trying to force somebody into a program. And I see too many business owners stuck doing that because they're not distributing themselves wide enough. I hope that's helpful for you. In addition, if you're newer to the game of entrepreneurship, you're getting yourself established. I highly recommend Simply Fast websites as one of the entities that you either interview or look to as a potential to start your website. And here's why. I spent a ton of money and a ton of time on my websites when I got started. I have not used Simply Fast because I don't need it anymore. I've got a team to build, web developers, web designers. I know what I'm doing too in there as well. So we're able to collaborate and build things and it does cost a lot more money. But if I was just starting out, knowing that I had an entity that can design websites at 179 bucks, I would have probably been his most pointed, direct, difficult client ever to say, hey, Shane, I need a website. I'll spend 179 bucks. Uh, do your best. Um, you know, here's here's my concept. Let's get going. I'm not spending a dime more on that. If I could have done that when I'd gotten started, it would have saved me thousands of dollars and allowed me to focus on greater, greater initiatives. So as we come across uh, different solutions that we see for leaders and business owners who are trying to move their brands forward, uh, we always like to share that sponsorships is one of the ways that we we do that. It's not necessarily a paid sponsorship like is the case with those two. Um, so, again, use that in your evaluation as you move your brands forward. Uh, as far as causes, we also always want to raise awareness for the things that matter. And the water project is my go to source for everybody who's new listening. I repeat this story every single time because of how important it is to me. If you've heard it a hundred times, I hope you make your donation today to the cause or you click and you share uh, the water project so other people can. We're talking about millions of people who don't have access to clean drinking water. You know, something that we have access to in abundance every single day. If you're listening to this podcast, you likely don't have to wonder where you're going to get your next source of water. 
these individuals do. We're talking about kids leaving school to go get water for their community that may not even be safe drinking water. Imagine your kids having to go through that. Now, what's cool is you get to see the community that you're affecting and how many people are going to be affected by it. And your contribution, as it goes directly to that community, you get to see the story of what's going on. And then you get to see the outcome and the experience of what it's like for them to have the their well or their sand dam. Um, and you get to learn about the process, probably more than, than most people want to know. But I love, I love learning about the experiences that we contribute to. So if that inspires you to contribute, um, I can, I will rest happily tonight. If you have another cause that you want to see supported because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, by all means, please drop the link in the comments. We've got 8 billion people to help in this world. And I find that we do that. We work together on the process and we become aware of the opportunities to serve. Um, so with that said, um, Stephen Robinson also has an extensive background in the service of one method or another. And uh, in, 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 in what's the word I'm looking for? While he did not serve in the military, um, his background of serving people in the military had me ask him, you know, wait, did you serve in the military or not? Um, and, and he didn't, but he served leaders and did debriefs with military leaders to ultimately help them overcome the stress that they deal with um, and understand how to perform uh, under high stress situations. And as you know, war is probably the greatest stress um, there, there is in life. Maybe that and, and having a child. Um, I don't know. I haven't I haven't pulled the world on that before, but those two dynamics um, are, are certainly dynamics where I, I can only imagine the type of anxiety that somebody might face. So we're going to we're going to bring Stephen on stage here in just a minute. I want to I wanted to showcase his bio. We're going to bring that up while we talk, though. Stephen, thank you so much for being on Vision Pros Live. It's awesome to have you. Thank you, Jackson. Appreciate you having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. I don't know if you know this, but I used to be on the team for a short stint with Flow Research Collective, um, also a high performance group that that has um, a, a very impressive backlog of the types of clients they've worked with, uh, working with the Defense Department. The reason why I mentioned that is not to steal your thunder, but it's to say when I saw even Pulse and what you were doing, I was like, whoa here's another Stephen Kotler. Like here's somebody who's performing at the greatest levels, who's got actual research to back what he's doing. And I, I bought, I bought it. I was like, man, I got to talk to Stephen Robinson and find out more about your solutions and what you're up to. So uh, I'm, I'm amazed at what you've built and uh, I'm excited to dive in further. But if you were to quantify for us, who should be listening right now and, and why should they be listening to you? You know, anyone, Jackson, who's interested in a higher level of performance, and I think most of us to some extent are driven to get a lot out of life and our engagement with it. And I think what many of us don't recognize are the, the decrements or the things that hold us back from that. And that can be stressors. Those can be uh, our little red wagon, as I call it, that we're pulling behind us. And anything that, that holds us back from living not only fully in the present moment, but moving forward toward our dreams and visions. Um, I think our, our team and, and I are good at that, very good at that in terms of helping people see where they want to go, but also understanding what tends to hold them back into their own past. Absolutely. Um, and that that leadership dynamic then applies to everybody from entrepreneurs to principals of schools, um, as well as military, as you mentioned, athletes, um, you know, are, are some of those people who are trying to hit their their dynamic best. Um, you know, at, at particular moments, but they're also striving to give their best performance in almost every minute of their day. So um, as we as we uh, look at what you're striving to accomplish for those that you serve, what's your vision for them? What do you want to see them achieve? We call our primary training, Jackson, optimal performance under stress. And that's really the vision of what we want to help people do is to become more resilient, more able to move through adversity and reach their highest potential of who they can be. Good. Okay, let's expand on that further. Um, so what does that look like for some of these people? Well, we work in every area of uh, really the human experience, ranging from mind, body, emotion, and spirit to the sense of who we are at the deepest level inside of ourselves. Uh, we do that through a methodology we call BASE-R. And it's a, an acronym, which of course fits the military audience really well since we work with them a lot. But it helps bring them into alignment with these things that many of us might consider more conceptual 
or esoteric, what is exactly does it mean to connect with your mind, body, emotion, spirit? We frame it in a, a circular model in which each one of us is in the center of not only who we are, but how we engage with life. So we work to create a nexus between our internal experience and how we relate to the uh, external around us. Awesome. Okay. Um, so diving out of the business world a little bit, um, you've, you've got a, a long life ahead of you. Could be 50 years, 100 years, five years, uh, maybe beyond that. What, what's your vision for you? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to see for yourself in the future? Well, I've got a couple of books in process, one in particular that's connected to the military special operations world. Um, I have another one on sports mastery that I've been working on and at least, you know, laying out conceptually how those will come together. So that's uh, maybe a KZI retirement project, but I also anticipate spending a lot more time hiking and doing a lot of the things that many people, if, if you're on, in the entrepreneur world, which I know you are, um, often our lives get so consumed by the work and this kind of never ending slog of I got I to gotta keep moving in what I do day in and day out. So how, you know, how do I live in a new way in which I've got free time on my hands or the ability to do what I want to do. So, you know, that's one of my uh, key visions, I'd say, whether it's for the next five or 10 or 20 years or however long I'm here, is uh, to really enjoy the freedom and ambit of being able to move out into the world and do some things that I've had to put on the uh, on the shelf for the last uh, 20 or 22 years. Hey, very well said. I mean, I'm we, we do have a generational gap a little bit, um, which I'm grateful for because you got wisdom that I can't, that I don't have access to. Um, on the on the flip side, because of the generational gap, I was lucky at a young age. I gr I grabbed the book, The Four Hour Work Week. Have you heard of it? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's so many so many young entrepreneurs have had the opportunity to read that and to find that new rich. You know, so when we you know my kids were little, we did a forty one day road trip up the California coastline with them. Mm -hmm. um, went to Disneyland, hit a bunch of beaches and all that. Um, and that that balance process. Um, I, I'm grateful that that we we've had kind of more uh, of an opportunity to open our eyes to the, the reality that, that can exist. But at the same time, I'm super glad to hear you say that you're going to be doing more of that. I also see you as kind of a balanced guy, man. We we when we were talking, you're in a log cabin um, and with a beautiful <laughs> background. So um, it seems like you've lived your life quite well. Yeah, it's gone pretty well so far. You know, we live out on some acreage in a very, very quiet valley. Um, not quite at the moment outside. We're having the water feature worked on to the entrance to our, our business operation. Um, but we're, uh, we spend a lot of time outside, um, tend to the gardens. We have chickens. Um, I enjoy, enjoy being out. I work, work on prepping the wood for the winter. So I'll even be doing that later this afternoon. I'll have the, the axe and splitter and uh, chainsaw out and be working on some wood to prep for the cold weather ahead. Nice. Well, I, I want to ask you about that too. So you've got... You've got the appreciation for the hard work and, and the grind, the, the corporate culture that America built for a long time and, and still is certainly stable. And, and I guess it's stable. It's strong um, and, and performing. The question I have for you is, is how did you how did you manage to escape that grind to a degree where you did have a, a balance, um, you know, and you prioritize some of these things? Most people don't know what a chicken looks like these days. Um, you know, let alone ra raise them. And then you got this water feature that you're building your house. There's some depth to your design and your purpose of branding, your identity. Where's that come from? You know, a lot of what we teach Jackson is built around performance and recovery. And I discovered this years ago, I was a tennis professional for many years and played pro tennis for a while. And what I didn't realize at the time and wish I had known is while I was super focused on getting stronger, faster, better, everything around how to perform better on the court. I also did a lot with martial arts and was fascinated by, you know, how do you become a, a, an early MMA fighter even before there was such thing as MMA? Oh, yeah. And I was so into the performance side, I didn't realize how big the recovery side is. And until we met the neurologist who worked with us for about 18 years, um, I didn't really understand it at the level of the nervous system. And how do you reset and recover? And over the years, I've started to realize, and especially when I met my wife, Elizabeth, and we started to work together, we, we said, hey, can we develop a model that reflects performance and recovery? And that's really what we've done. And so I do my best to live that as, as a lifestyle in terms of backward planning my sleep, looking for those intermittent rests during the day. So I am actually functionally recovering. So I'm ready for the next thing. Um, mm. 
working with nutrition, uh, of course, hydration. You mentioned the, the uh, Pure Water Project. I mean, I think that's such a great, great thing to tie into because most people don't realize how important water is, or even if we're aware of it on a knowledge level, we don't have an understanding level that having congruence with the fluids that we drink and that we're drinking pure, clean water and plenty of it is hugely important to human health. But when we're dehydrated, it actually is a stressor. And we have enough stress already. <laughs> so I be dehydrated all the time. <laughs> I can tell how many people are dehydrated out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that soda and that energy drink may not be the best go-to. Um, but not. I'm not here to judge, just here to educate. Um, you know, and that's that's really what it's all about too. So it's funny, you, you uh, one, I've never met somebody who can say, I'm a pro tennis player and I'm also a professional UFC fighter. Um, uh, that's cool. Um, you know, okay, you're not a professional UFC fighter, perhaps, but uh, that those dynamics don't often mix together. That's fun. Um, so, two, you reminded me of a of a company that I, I I am very much a passionate fan of called Love Every, and Love Every is a they send you these boxes for your children at different ages. And I'm not going to go down that point, but one of the things that they, they've they very focused on the science of becoming a better parent. You want to make a parent mad, tell them how to do their job. Um, you know, you want to make people upset, tell them they're not doing a good enough job as a parent. But Love Every has this amazing capability of helping you see how much you have to learn in that role of parenthood in very subtle ways. And it makes you go like, oh my gosh, I wish I had thought of that. Things like, and I'm going to give one example. Um, when you're potty training your child, um, putting the putting the, uh, the waterproof mat down first, right? And then of course the bed sheet over it, but then doing it again, putting the next one on. That way, if in the middle of the night, the child has an accident, you're not stressed getting out to exchange all of them. You just take the layer off and you let them sleep on the next layer below that. I was like, oh my goodness, four children. If I had thought about that <laughs> four children ago, I would have been so much more prepared to handle the, the stresses of fatherhood. I mentioned that because your brand, while it's, while it's more adult level, you're helping people unlock these hidden secrets and gems of high performance that are probably somewhat, uh, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? But they're life-changing. Do you mind walking me through a couple of those? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I mean, I think you hit a couple things in potty training your child because really I think to unlock a higher level of performance and human potential, you almost need to view the brain from the standpoint of the limbic system, which is the mid or emotional brain and the brainstem, much like you're training a dog or you're working with a child because you know that little child up till seven years old is primarily more of a midbrain and brainstem than they are a fully functioning neocortex, the upper part of the brain. And that doesn't really come online powerfully until about age seven. And so mm -hmm. seven to 12, it explodes and it starts to prune back a little bit, even though by the time they're 14, they think they know all that can be known and more than you'll ever know. extensively. <laughs> <That's laughs> But the reason I bring that in, we're actually working with some military working dog handlers coming up down in Texas through the Air Force. And one of the themes that we're going to hit hard with them is that in order to make positive changes, you need to understand that you have to train your brain as though you're training a canine. Because this midbrain and lower brain function very similarly to that. And part of the problem for us as human beings is that our subconscious, essentially our, our body in relationship to these lower brain centers, often is referring us to the past. So it's like the dog who uh, maybe maybe somebody beat that dog and they had a, a beard and a hat. Well, from then on, their brain is so loaded to beard and a hat equals pain or threat. They're going to be ready to bark or run or whatever. And we're the same way. You know, a lot of our patterning is built through our earlier life experiences that we're often stuck in. So how do we get out of those? And a lot of that is coming back into the present moment, as you were talking about with the potty training, is having consistency and showing up and saying, I'm putting the sheet down again. I'm setting myself up and that child up for success. And if you think of your brain in that way, this is part of our internal child, if you will, that we're coaching it and retraining it so it's not stuck back there, but it's now right here saying, I act with power moving forward in who I am now and what I'm claiming. That's awesome. And thanks for sticking with the, the analogy and the concept as well. I appreciate that. Um, there's some personal benefits in there for me. Uh, another another thing that you talked about there was training your brain 
like you train a canine or like you train a dog. And what I think some people have a hard time hearing in that, or when you talk about training a child, I've met a lot of people throughout my career who say, don't treat me like a child, you know, or say you talk to me like I'm a child. Um, and it's a, it's a hard reality for me to deal with. I've, I've learned to become more diplomatic with how I respond to that. Um, but I'd love your, I'd love to know if you're on the same page with me or if you feel the opposite, um, never hesitate to argue with me, Stephen, um, please, uh, of course. And in, in relation to this, um, I've always thought I'm not, I'm not training this person like a child. This is how I would want to be talked to if I was learning these same concepts. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nurturing through this process and, and some people have a very strong resistance to that, but you've, you've kind of hit it head on. I'm like, Hey, if I need to learn something and it's easier to learn it because you're, you're telling me to sit and stand and sit and stand or, or shake hands. Like it sounds like there's, there's different training dynamics that are appropriate for different types of learning. Is that correct? Or am I off base? Oh no, a hundred percent. I think that many of us don't understand how we learn. And so one of the things we seek to do in training is help people decipher what's my learning style. You know, am I more auditory, more kinesthetic, tactile? I know a lot of people have said, well, the whole VAK, visual, auditory, kinesthetic thing is out the window. But at least I've found as an athlete and someone who's been in the human performance space a long time, for me, having some level of understanding of how I relate to and connect to learning different types of information. You know, if, if it's something that requires a very strong visual sense and I'm studying something that requires visual focus, I do need to activate my visual centers, right? But at the same time, if it has a physical aspect, for me, I'm, I'm very kinesthetically oriented. So I get a body feeling for it. And I would often say to people, well, I'm getting a feel for it. And so mm -hmm. I learned over the years of coaching, I would listen to people's cues and say, you know, they, they might say, I, I didn't understand that. Can you say it again? Or what I hear you saying is, or I'm starting to get a feel for this now, or I'm, I'm not feeling it yet. So things like that, or if they were visual, I don't see what you mean. So or if they sound aud audio oriented, it's um, that sounds nice to me. Yeah, um, right. yeah, uh, exactly. That rings a bell. They, they, and it's it's sometimes hard to pick those up unless you're training and, and training yourself to listen to the cues that people give you. So. Yeah. And, and just to riff on that, you know, I think one of the places people resist sometimes is when they were growing up they heard or saw or whatever. And a lot of times the example the adult may have given them was not in their learning style. So for them, they say, you're treating me like a child, but they were being spoken to or shown something and they couldn't relate to it in, in the style of teaching or, or conveyance that was coming their way. Correct, right. And it's our responsibility then as, as leaders to be able to recognize that and adjust uh, as well so that we can ultimately communicate and achieve the objective at hand. Um, which is usually not, I hope it's not to cause harm. Um, your intent is usually to, to help build people up. So sure. that's very helpful. Um, thank you for that. Now we're going to dive in for some of the visionaries who are listening in. Um, we love to dive into the worst business experiences that you've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, everybody's had those types of moments that are difficult. You're welcome to branch outside of business. Um, but also if you have one related to even pulse and growth, um, feel free to double down. I'll let you, I'll let you choose. Okay. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I think the most difficult or challenging worst business experiences have had, had to do with selection of some personnel early on and basically having people come in who were, uh, on their face, perhaps a decent fit, but not really recognizing just because someone showed up and they had a certain set of skills that they were the right person for the position. And, um, you know, I think when you surround yourselves with great people, but you also have people who fit the culture of the organization, but you can also start to unpack. These are some of the things that might be problematic with this particular individual or group of individuals working in that capacity in the company. That can be a real, real problem set. And especially in this particular set of circumstances I'm referencing, it had to do with the delivery of a large scale contract that also was problematic in itself which tended oh. to bring, bring out the worst in everybody. <laughs> you know, it, it is, it is, it's a classic for a company in the resilience business for people who had lower resilience because of some of the roles they were in faced with situations that were high adversity that required even more resilience 
and then some uh, rugs being pulled out from under us from the customer at the same time, it made for <laughs> complete disaster in certain ways. And yet we still got through it and got great marks from our end users. Wow. So uh, it, it was awesome. difficult. That was the worst and the best at the same time in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Some of the people who come on and share their worst leads to them uncovering their best because um, they realize they've got this for years. It's funny. You you actually had it. Like, Y'all made it through the end, um, much like a fourth quarter that goes into double overtime, um, you know, and then it's like, man, this really sucks. But if you went on the other end, like, cool, you know, we 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 finished the job. That's fun. Um, any any other worst business experiences that you you feel prompted to share, or you want to dive into the best experience um, that you've had thus far? Yeah, um, you know, first in bridging the gap between that particular experience that was 14 years ago. We've had a lot of water under the bridge. You know, I would say that the single greatest uh, challenge time that was also kind of a worst experience was having gone through that process that I'm talking about, this was in 2009, 2010, but coming out of that, not really having the resources to rebound very effectively at that point, that made for a tremendously challenging couple of years after that. The best part of that though, as it turns out, was that made us even more resilient. Right. And then through the process, we're now kind of 22 years to overnight success. The company's doing the best it's ever done. And, um, you know, I'd say um, in the last couple of years, we've had uh, some singular great trainings that stand out for me. And honestly, the, the one I'm most excited about is the one we have coming up, which is often the case for me. I'm always excited about what's next and bringing it and getting myself and the team really energized to go out and deliver that. And that's coming up just in a few weeks right after Thanksgiving. So that's what I'm anticipating is my next best experience. That's awesome. Uh, always good when those are on the horizon already um, and, and you're not in the, the middle of the hurricane wondering when, when it's going to end. Um, but those hurricanes often do give us new strengths um, that we're unaware of. And so you, um, you reminded me of a story I haven't thought of in years um, that was so impactful on me. And it was, it was about the trees on the north side of the mountain. Have you heard of that? I've not. Oh, man. Um, it, the, the trees on the north side of the mountain in this story were the ones that faced all of the harsh conditions of the wind and all of the, um, you know, the, the storms and how they came in. The trees on the other side of the mountain were extremely weak and feeble because they didn't face adversity at all. Mm -hmm. So when the, when the craftsmen would, uh, seek, seek this, uh, type of wood to create tables and whatever furniture they wanted to, those are the trees that they went for because, they had built a, a, a strength set due to the, the things they had to overcome and accomplish. Well, we're no different as human beings. Um, the, when we go through adversities, we gain strengths that allow us to then utilize that strength uh, for our future challenges. Um, so it, you went through that. Uh, my business has certainly gone through that. Um, and it's, it is, it's humbling to take a breath and take a step back and say, okay, like what, what have we learned in this process? Why have we learned it? How can we utilize this to move forward? So on that note, that's my powerful lesson. Um, what powerful lesson would you share with visionaries? Uh, what can they learn from your experience? And let's pretend that this is the last lesson that you could give us. What would it be, Stephen? Well, I think it's bring it with everything you've got. You know, when I went to, I went to Europe the first time in 1985, and then I went back in 88 to play tennis, I was way out of my league and over my head in terms of who I ended up competing against. And it was interesting, you know, I had set the goal <clears throat> coming out of college. I said, you know, I want to be able to compete against players in the top 500 in the world. Now notice I didn't set the goal to defeat players at that level or to win tournaments over players at, you know, three or 400 in the world or whatever. Um, but I set a general goal to play and compete at that level. And that's exactly what I did. But the, the cool part, at least for me, was that I went over there and I gave it everything I had for a couple of summers, 85 and 88, and I became a much better player. Actually, not until about um, 89, 90, 91, 92 in that range, I became much better. And it was largely because I was tempered by going over and playing against a level of competition that was far beyond anything I'd ever played before. And while I got my butt handed to me all over Europe many times in the process, 
and over the next several years, I became a much stronger player through it. And I would encourage anybody else who's a, a visionary out there not to be um, afraid of your vision. And I think we've held it well. I've held it well with Even Pulse in terms of starting this 22 years ago. And here we are 22 years later, and we're, we're as I said earlier, hitting the overnight success. So being willing and able to have the tenacity to hold on to your vision is a big deal. And a lot of people, I think, give up too easily. And in this day and age of, you know, Gen Y, Gen iPad saying, I want instant life and like Neo, I want, I want to know Kung Fu like that or the episode of Chuck. It's like, well, it'd be great if we can just neural link that and you've got it. But I can tell you from at least my perspective and somebody who's done some things fairly well, there's not any satisfaction in not working for it. If you just get handed the prize for doing nothing, it's like, okay, we've seen legions of people who've won you know, won lotteries who lose the money very quickly because they're not ready to work with that level of energy and affluence. And the people who've worked hard for it, they usually have uh, much greater appreciation of the people around them who also put in energy and effort, but also the reception of what, they, uh, what, what they've what they received when they've worked that hard. Well said. Lesson. Powerful lesson. We got bring it with everything that you got and stick with it. Um, you know, those are those are excellent principles. Um, there's a, and, and knowing that as people, you may not, if you're going through a lot of adversity right now, you're going to want to disagree with me, but we want adversity as human beings. We crave it more than we realize. Um, and because it, it does condition us, but look, let's just take soccer as an example, one sport, right? If you go out to the soccer field and you're going to play and you're playing all alone and there's nobody, no goalie in front of you and you kick the ball into the net. The older you are, the more boring that sounds because there's nothing there to prevent you from scoring, right? right. So yeah, you, you, get, you can make as many goals as you want. You can go tell your friends about it. And that's fun when you're two, you know, or when you're four years old. But eventually you realize that, no, the greatest satisfactions come when you actually overcome something, um, you know, and, and build something of significance. Um, your story about Europe, did you ever face um, a moment where towards the end of the game, or the end of a match that you were losing, or or maybe it was close. You're close to winning. I, I'm going to shift that gear. You're close to winning, but you're intimidated by your competition, and you quit inside, internally. Did you ever face that? I'd say probably more than once. I just ba basically bagged out of matches. Those were generally earlier than, than playing in Europe. But um, I can't tell you, I played one match against a guy who's 125 in the world in a, a French prize money tournament. And I actually played great. It was the best I had played the entire summer. I lost 6-2, 6-2, winning four games. I mean, granted, 125 in the world. I felt pretty good about winning four games. But he just blew me off the court, like whenever he wanted to. I could have him pinned deep in the backhand corner, moving backwards on his back foot, three, four, five feet behind the baseline, and he'd light one up at deuce down the line into the corner. And it's like, oh, well, I guess that's why he's 125 in the world and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in those moments um, where maybe that defeated you, um, what was the difference? Like, what, what did, what were you doing before that experience or during that experience that that unlocked you and allowed you to do what you just said, where you said, "Bring it with everything you got." What are the, what are the disciplines that you teed yourself up with? Well, I think having a, an attitude of learning, constantly learning, is so important. Which of course means you know that's an open loop. If you're in a closed loop, you're you're over here. Where I'm in this box, I live over here because I do what I do, but I'm not taking in new information or learning or growing. Mm -hmm. And I think when I say bring it with everything you've got, you take what you've marshaled already in your life, and you go forward with that learning attitude of continuing to expand your arsenal. You know, my wife just did a workshop uh, this last weekend on it's mastering public speaking and doing all sorts of things around how do you develop your internal process to grow yourself to a different level. And I was you know, super happy for her to get a couple days with uh, like-minded people, like-minded women who are working in that same process. Yeah, absolutely. So the, there's a coach, um, there's actually a Netflix documentary on it. Um, tennis coach, Patrick Moritoglu. I think I said his name, right? Um, we might have talked about this last time. I'm going to drop this in the comments for people. <clears throat> Maybe Patrick will see and reach out to you um, and be like, hey, Stephen, uh, well done on the tennis court. But um, he talks about that. I don't remember what term he used, but the one we were just talking about where 
his players just start to give up and uh, tank, um, you know, in the process. Well, there's a term for that in corporate and it's called quiet quitting. It's been taking off. And it's one of those things that people are even starting to kind of celebrate within themselves. And they're, they're celebrating the destruction of their own virtue and, and ethics. And it, it saddens me. It makes me really like, whoa, like they don't, you're not quitting on your company. You're quitting on yourself. Um, you know, and, and how damaging can that be for, for somebody um, as we sh- shift gears into unlocking resilience and that high performance for leaders and athletes, I'd love to just kind of correlate the two um, and hear your thoughts on both ends of the spectrum. Let's help. I would say the masses um, tend to gear towards giving up on situations um, where, where the resilience could say could save them, move them forward. But then let's shift gears, of course, into if you're in that high performance territory and you want to take it up a notch, what do you do? Um Feel free, Stephen. Take the mic from me and go whichever direction you want. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's it's saying, okay, what would it be like if? And if I brought everything I had to this and I stay with it, what gains will I realize? What um, experiences can I have? And what will I provide to this organization or to the people I'm serving that's going to make a change for them? Um you know, when I look at kind of the broad the broad brush of resilience, I think a lot of people are not necessarily willing to embrace the discomfort of what it takes to go for a higher level. It's maybe a little bit easier for entrepreneurs or at least the entrepreneurs who are successful because they do embrace that. And it is uncomfortable, as you know, if yeah. you're a visionary and you say, OK, this is where I'm going in this field. But maybe somebody's blazed that trail before and you can use them as a model or you can even talk to them and say, what would you do if? Um, but maybe somebody hasn't blazed the trail you've been on. Like for us, we brought together a human performance and stress resilience package that's neurophysiologically oriented, and nobody had ever done anything quite like it. And we're still really unusual to the point I'd say unique in the marketplace as a result. It's created a kind of a conundrum because one side of it is it's not as easy to sell that because no. people like they look at it and they go, what is this? We've never seen it before. So Welcome to the blue ocean, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, it's the big <laughs> blue ocean out there. And, and people say, well, you know, this, this is something I can't quite describe, but I like it. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll overcome that. And, that I, I, you know, that's that it's going to require a lot of resilience. But a lot of for those visionaries who are out there, if you're diving into the blue ocean, I mean, you're diving into a danger zone because you're the only one in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to get everybody over there. The red ocean is what, you know, a lot of people teach to get out of but the beauty the beauty of a red ocean where everybody's already at is you just have to stand out and and be the best option and or one of the best options and if you are people will constantly gravitate towards you but there's a there's a tremendous value we're we're also a blue ocean company there's a tremendous value in in paving the way for a legacy where you know this path is going to be a dramatic difference and change for the lives of those who who follow it um and you know you're pioneering something important so uh let's try to break that down for people who don't understand it what what is it that makes even pulse so important and you know what what does the process look like from saying hi steven how are you doing and and what do you do how do we get started with you what does it look like you know first let me just frame the the larger wrap of it and we're teaching both stress resilience skills, so how to, how to respond to life with uh, perhaps less stress or even when it is very negatively stressful, how do you move through that and deal with the adversity? And then on the other side, how do you perform at your best? So we, we follow a theme of performance and recovery as two sides of one coin, as I was talking about earlier with Elizabeth. Um, the process we use, we, we uh, do an intake process, we develop a relationship with the customer, and generally, uh, much like uh, a lot of the people who would follow your show, we tend to find customers who are visionary oriented. They see something that is not there, and they gravitate toward our Blue Ocean product as a result because they say, this isn't in existence within our organization or within our market sphere. How do we get that? Um, the next thing we do is we look for how can we serve that particular market and area of interest. So I'll just give you an example. In the military, we've done a lot of work with security forces in the Air Force. And one of the things that they have to do, they carry a gun for a living because they're essentially sort of military police, but also outside the wire, they do the light infantry mission. So for all intents and purposes, in the Air Force, they're kind of like, like a light infantry operation combination with KZI cop but they carry a gun for a living, so they gotta be able to shoot. So we've adapted our training, teaching them how to shoot better 
using self-regulation skills, but then building off that saying, hey, and because you've learned these skills, you can apply them over here in communication with the people on your staff. You can apply them over here in writing more effective reports or dealing with a domestic disturbance situation. You can use them over here with your family members and maybe one of your children or your spouse has an issue going on. And so we help them see that what they're learning in that one discrete area has applications everywhere else in their life as well. Nice. Um, in terms of delivery, we usually go to the location or we'll do a virtual live presentation. Uh, we do have our courses available online as well. We often will tie that together as a blended learning package so that that uh, organization and customer can have us come in person, perhaps uh, work with certain segments of the target population online, doing some follow-on coaching, and then giving them access and tracking their progress through the, uh, the online courseware as well, and even giving them a chance to take the course again at the end so that they can <clears throat> get a certification online after, say, a year's time. Absolutely. I, I saw the amount, of, um, the amount of investment you guys made in the the private research study as well, um, which which intrigues me. I, I need to take the time to actually dive in and look at that myself. But, um, you know, I, there's a lot of companies right now. I was just talking to a marketer and she said uh, and she works with a lot of very large companies. She said a lot of companies have been cutting their R&D process completely out um, mm -hmm. and they haven't been putting any budget towards that process. And as I talked to her about the budgets that they should be putting towards it, she said ten thousand dollars per month. Uh, no, I'm sorry, ten thousand dollars per year um, was what she said towards towards their R and D. Um, you might want to find that that research. Um, what what went into it? Um, how much did you guys spend on it? What what do you know about those details? Or is that a better question for Elizabeth? Oh, you can ask me. I, I was intimately involved in the whole thing. Um, so for, fortunately for us, we did not have to lay out the funds to do the study. Uh, the sure. Department of Defense wanted to find out if our training would confer the benefits that we thought it did, which would be increasing resilience and improving a sense of well-being, reducing stress, knocking down anxiety and depression, improving communication, et cetera. And what they found was exactly that. It was a th almost three-year, $3 million study. Um, it was run out of uh, part of the Pentagon. Three-year, $3 million study. I think it was actually about $3.3 million total that they spent on the research. We did the training. How old were you at the time? Uh, let's see. I was uh, 48. Okay. I want to quantify this real quick because there's lots of 18-year-old and 14-year-old entrepreneurs out there. Um, Stephen, you didn't pay the $3 million, but you, that was about 30 years of preparation um, You know, to put yourself in a position where that company, that government agency said, you're the guy, you're the gal, y'all are the people we want to have run this. Um, so you, your investment um, in terms of, of longevity and everything you built up to that point is something that I think more people that are listening need to kind of hear. Um, so, but go ahead and continue, please, now that we've established that base. Yeah, well, thank you on that. Um, yeah, so when, when we set out to do the project, uh, you know, we knew it was gonna be fraught with peril and challenges. And, you know, what we didn't know is that um, this part of the military was actually working on their own resilience and kind of stress resilience human performance program at the same time. So we ran into that as a bit of a challenge point, but yeah. also just the pressure of delivering it. We were, I think we were already about $50,000, $60,000 out of pocket just in preparing for it. We bought manuals and, you know, bought plane tickets for all the team members, had everything set up to go. And the contract was kind of going sideways. It hadn't even been signed yet, leading up to two days before the, the contract was set to, to start. And it actually got signed on a Saturday and started on a Monday. And wow. it was it was enormously challenging. And so it was it was a conundrum or sort of a paradox being in the resilience business and having so much stress and having our resilience challenged on every level that, you know, by the time we got through it, um, the, the feedback from the soldiers was incredible. And uh, the researchers were quite surprised at how well they received it. But then as the data began to come in, and they also did data with them downrange while they were overseas, um, they said, well, these people are really using what you guys taught. In fact, about 40% of the soldiers said they used the training every day in theater. We had one four-hour block of instruction with each company of soldiers. We rotated them through this kind of fast-moving, hard-hitting process, and we had a bunch of prior, prior service spec ops people on our team. So uh, it made for a, an interesting uh, dynamic 
But the, the real, the gratitude I had at the end of each day was people coming up and saying, thank you, this really made a difference. Or I really thought this was going to suck, but it turned out to be good. <laughs> we, we heard that comment a few times with people calling <laughs> their wives and actually saying that on the phone. Of, of course, absolutely. Well, that's also sometimes very helpful when you think a movie's going to be awful and you get there and you're like, hey, that was that was way good. Why? Because, well, you thought it was going to be awful. So sure. that's helpful, too. Um, but I, I, I can imagine, um, you know, it's sitting in a class is not everybody's favorite thing to do. Mind, body, emotion and spirit. Last last thing we'll cover. Um, out of those options, um, and when it comes to resilience, what are some of the, um, I guess, what are some of the surprises, if you don't mind, um, in your program that, that key takeaways somebody might, might learn um, uh, to help their life move forward? Let's try to unpackage one of those right now. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, seeing it as an integrated deal. You know, your body, mind, access, and your emotional, spiritual connection, these these four areas are operating all the time. You know, we have a, an emotional response to life, to our children, to the experiences we have. There is a sense of spirit or that animation that lights up our relationship to, to things, and we can feel spirited or dispirited or what have you. A lot of different ways we can look at that. But one of the ways I look at, at spirit in relationship to the body is the Latin etymology, spiritu, spiritus, is breath. And so if we can become more attuned to the breath, we've got a direct connection between our physical presence and what we think of as spirit. And the ancients even thought of it that way, that, that when the spirit left the body, that was sort of our animation leaving us. Uh, spiro, spirare, spiro, spiroi, spiritus from Latin. And if you understand that and really dial into expire and inspire, those terms having to do with breathing, you've got this grounding in your physical form. Where I think the physical is so important, and one of the things that makes even pulse unusual or maybe even unique, is we highlight the somatic or physical aspects of how all these things come to take roost in the body. And that was easy for me as not only a tennis player, but a fitness trainer and, and martial arts guy. I, re I realized for me, it's like I, I do my best to live in this, in my body. But if we start to understand that how we breathe influences our body, what we think about and whether we have positive thought patterns, what we focus on influences how we inhabit the body, including our posture. Um, if we feel inspired, you know, we, yeah, the chest opens up, the shoulders go back. If our emotions are heavy, we feel heavy in the body. So if we keep coming back to that, it helps us recognize too that um, the body is also a repository of most of your past memories. So when we have stresses and traumas from our past, they can weigh us down to the point that they show up in our body as tension in our back, um, maybe irritable bowel, irritable gut syndromes, um, all sorts of different manifestations. And if we address it there, we're not only addressing the past, which helps us come into the present, but we can use the body itself as a portal for a higher level of wisdom. Wow. I'm going to try to get this typed for everybody because, oops, and I almost made a little spelling mistake. There we go. Because that quote, our body is a repository of our past memories. Um, that's a very, a very good imagery um, for the, the archive that it is, um, you know, and, and like any physical archive, um, there's going to be, you can weigh it down. Um, you, you know, you can put it into a position where uh, that's, it's not necessarily organized in a fashion that helps. And I've definitely heard some studies on that process, but you also blew my mind a little bit in relation to espiritu or spirit and breath and how um, sometimes we can leverage our vernacular in ways that is not effective, that just convolutes, you know, with semantics, right? Blah, blah, blah. But the purpose of language is to better understand our, our relevance like in, in the present moment, um, right? And, and where we actually are in the universe. And when you unlock depths of like, that hit me so hard because I don't think I've stopped to think about how spirit and breath go together and now I can be more intentional with when I take a breath I remember my spirit and my spiritual connection and that that little bitty superpower I already know it can have a dynamic effect on my life then you talked about the expire in terms of breathing and inspiration or inspiring like that makes a lot of sense to me too so it was just like a number of bright lights just went off in my head and heart and I appreciate you for that beautiful 
And yeah. let me tell you on one other thing, if I might, um, even your heart rate variability is tied into that. So if I inhale, look at me raising up, my chest lifts, my shoulders go up. So I'm filling that whole repository. I'm filled with life itself. This is what's keeping us alive in this physical form. And when I let it out, that dropping feeling, but it's also a sigh of relief. Like when you put your foot into a hot tub on a cold day or in a cool pool on a hot day. But when we do that, every time you inhale, your heart rate speeds up. So that's your sympathetic nervous system engaging. Mm -hmm. And every time you exhale, your heart rate slows down. So you fluctuate in these waves. And most of us think of our heart rate as a steady thing. You may go, well, I'm pretty fit and I'm at you know, 62 beats per minute. But if you look at it on a heart rate variability biofeedback mechanism, you'll see it flow up and you might go up to 75 and then down into the 50s or upper 40s. Somebody who's very fit and very healthy will have wide, smooth fluctuations of their heart rate variability. And that's a measure of the autonomic nervous systems. So the more we can help uh, people understand that and even start to become their own biofeedback device, that's one of our, our goals in training. Huge. That's huge. And I was just watching a really bad movie last night, um, actually, uh, <laughs> but not bad in terms of, of like horribly created, just kind of a violent movie. Um, but the the shooter in the movie is waiting for his heartbeat to get to, to below 60 beats per minute um, in, or, in order to take a shot. Um, and he knows that's when he needs to take it in order for X, Y, and he explains it um, in, in the movie. It's very, very crafty and ingenious how they, how they document the process, but um, you know, same thing with somebody shooting a free throw. Um, you know, these these elite athletes often take a breath um, in order to and, and take some time, and they have their rhythms that they follow. But um, if if we can learn to pay attention to that and get the training and guidance of how to do that for yourself in the moments where you need it, your performance is is bound to improve as you center yourself on your strengths. So. Awesome, Stephen. That was great. Uh, I look forward to having Elizabeth on the show as well. So we're going to have Stephen's co-founder and spouse too, correct? Correct. Yes. Yes. On the show. And she's going to be talking to us about the recovery process more than the high performance process, which is equally valuable and important. And I just want to say, I love the way that you honored her when we first met. It's been a couple months. So the, the, the exact memory is fuzzy, but the feeling is not. The feeling of mutual respect and and uh, partnership was super high. And I was just like, wow, I cannot wait to have this dynamic do on my show. So is there anything final thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up? Yeah, well, I can say Elizabeth inspires me every day. And I think the reason we're a good partnership, a great partnership as a husband and wife team is we not only complement each other with the performance and recovery, but we constantly uh, remind each other and hold each other accountable around the things that we say are important. That's amazing. Um, Stephen, uh, send her my regards, please. And Vision Pros, we're so happy to have you on. If you have any questions, you're always we'll always have uh, in the show notes a way to connect to Stephen and find out about his his programs more. Also, feel free to leave comments for any questions that you have. Um, we'll make sure to forward those to Stephen so he can see them. And uh, everybody who's who's out there that wants to share their vision, don't hesitate to apply as well. Those links are also on the bottom. Um, give yourself a shot, as Stephen said bring it with everything you got and we'll be excited to host you on vision pros live y'all take care everybody have a great weekend thank, thank you Jackson. for being here today i'm really happy that you tuned in to vision pros live i'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward this is going to get more and more fun we'll have more and more engagement as well we'll invite people to participate in the show and thank you for